Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Scream Queen, a podcast about scary movies. From people not typically depicted in scary movies. We're back! Hello! And ready to give you the rundown. Mm -hmm. So in the past week, I think me and Tommy have managed to cram in some pretty good film watching. Yeah. So first off, Tommy, besides our main topics today, and uh, what else stood out to you this past week? Well... Talking about some of the Super Bowl commercials, that one with Jason Momoa. Yeah. Ooh, that was that weird. was a freaking doozy. What kind of weird body horror bullshit is this? Because he like, okay, the, the premise of the commercial is that he goes into his house and he's like, I can really fully be myself here. And at first he's just like doing things like letting down his hair and like taking off his shoes. And then he starts actually taking off parts of his body. Okay. I know you were protesting the Super Bowl. It was all over your stories. Uh-huh. I ain't watching the damn Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, fuck, I watch, I, I fuck, fuck Kansas the City, Bowl. fuck the M- NFL. I was going to say NBA. I don't the even Lord know which one I it was, is. I was watching that that halftime show, mm. and and I love those commercials. They're so stupid. But that one, I was just, I was like, you have to see this shit because it's, it's. I think it fits into our podcast. Yeah. It is unnecessary, and it. I gave me nightmares. Yeah, I was wondering, like, is this, I was like, is this, this is definitely computer graphics, some animated bullshit. And then, like, Lisa Bonet comes in at the end. She's, like, spotting him, <laughs> like, as he's trying to, like, weight lift to it. And, 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 like. But first, his height drops when he takes his boots off. That's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, oh, oh he, he lost about that two, is two absolutely feet. the first thing that I saw. Oh, as well. oh I know. The height whisperer over here is like, <laughs> something is wrong. Yeah. He suddenly got 75% less attractive to me. <laughs> <laughs> It's all in the boots. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, clearly Lisa was down for this. I feel like he came, he was like, babe, I have this idea. And she was like, fine, Jeremy, Jason, Momoa, but you got to bust it down later. Because <laughs> honestly, I mean, I don't. he's not that great of an actor. Like, he's good at grunting and he good, he has like a look about him. That's all I need. That's all I need. But I'm just saying, he's not like, I, I'm, I'm, I saw part of Aquaman. I tried. I saw part of it on a plane. Yeah, there <laughs> was tried. like weird not Ariel with the crazy hair. I think his top, his peak role will always be like Cal Drogo, mm. uh, forever, forever our Cal. Yeah, I do have a, a somebody special out there who uh, dresses up as Cal Drogo for Halloween, and he looks exactly the part. Oh, um, that's for another episode. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tommy, please give us the rundown of what we're doing today. All right. So, Act One, we are going to do a uh, our seminal sequence. Have y'all seen? Uh, owing to the fact that Drea has an encyclopedic knowledge of all t- horror movies, uh, this week from the Vault, we're talking about demonic toys uh, from the early '90s, I believe. Ninety-two. Okay. Uh, for our main discussion topic, we're going to be talking about the third season. Of the chilling adventures of Sabrina with our first guest of the series, Gigi Swift, my friend. Yay. And our act three scream queen is Sasha Lane in Daniel Isn't Real, which Drea and I saw together. And we agreed it wasn't the best movie, but Sasha Lane did she not come out. here to play with you hoes. Yeah, she yes. was worth a mention for sure. All right, so act one. Have y'all seen the d- demonic toys, also known as dangerous toys, 
I read uh, though they had to change the name because like there was some hair metal band that was named uh, Dangerous Toys and they had a cease and desist against them. They were like, you have to change the title. <laughs> Maybe it's the same uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, Tanny and the Teenage mm-hmm, T-Rex, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, this is directed by Peter Mnugin. He also, he did a few other Full Moon things. Uh, the Dungeon Master, mm-hmm. nothing like pivotal. They're mm-hmm. like good, good crap. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is like, in my opinion, this is Full Moon Entertainment, uh, Char- Charles Ban, his vehicle. This is it at its finest. It's also known for uh, uh, Puppet Master mm-hmm. and that whole series, mm-hmm. which people, you know, that's known as a series cult classic, but I think it's more the characters than it is the storylines. Mm-hmm. This, however, brings... Uh, Demonic Toys not only brings the deranged puppets, it has an equally unsettling and wonderfully stupid plot. Like, yes. like makes no sense. What, what, and, like, a, like offensive. And what like, was this plot, by the way? Well, okay. So basically, <laughs> because I definitely saw this movie and I did not read the Wikipedia entry for sure. Also, Wikipedia as a drag queen name. Wikipedia. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, what we come to discover uh, is this woman, and I, I'm just gonna jump all over the place because there's no, it, it's. That's what they do, so yeah. that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. And I'll maybe I'll make more sense than the movie actually did. <laughs> no, you absolutely will. Okay, so in the beginning of this film, you're seeing a woman, and there's two little kids in front of her, two little boys. They're playing a game of war with cards, and we don't know what this symbolizes. Mm-hmm. And then she flashback to her. She's I don't with, think the writer knows what it symbolizes no. either. <laughs> and then and then we go back to her, and she, it, so she's a cop in modern day, and she's talking to her her partner slash boyfriend. And he's like, well, that sounds like some Freudian shit to me, like kind of sexual to me. And I'm just like, uh, Wait, uh, how was that helpful? Uh, <laughs> there was two children and a woman. And, and then that's what leads your mind to yes, sex, that my was, partner? That was one of his uh, helpful uh, banters. And then his ass gets shot. They, they but they do up. have that discussion about like, uh, do we want kids? And I was like, mm, He's like, of course they want to have a baby with you. That didn't sound genuine to me. Well, I was like, I am identifying with the fact that this man definitely does not want to have kids. He did not dodge a bullet, but she did. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So basically, um, what she comes to find out is one of those little boys is her future baby that's inside of her. Mm-hmm. And that this other little boy that she's seeing around is the devil. Okay, so... If uh, in order for him to he has to impregnate a woman so that his soul can transfer into the woman's egg where he has to eat the baby's soul and take over its shell. If the baby doesn't make it through the birth, he has to be buried like a seed. And once grown, he will take start the process over again. Uh, the last time he was born was 66 years ago. Uh, the baby didn't make it through the birth, so he was buried underneath the warehouse. But they gave that baby to some trick-or-treaters. Uh, yeah, yeah. They just wrapped it up, and they were, <laughs> they were like, here, take this and bury it somewhere, kids. Yeah. And at first you think, oh, like, these kids are fucked up. Like, they want to play with this thing. And then they see it, and they're like, ugh. And they throw it behind them, and they just happen to drop it into, like, a plot of dirt or, like, a graveyard or mm-hmm. something. Very, there's so much Dickensian yeah. coincidence in this movie. And then there's, like, a... Like yeah. a hilarious sound effect, like because that's supposed to be, you know, t- uh, terrorizing or whatever, traumatizing. The baby farting. The baby, uh, the baby devil hitting the rocks. It, they, uh. There's like a a a bloop, and we have uh, the stupid guard. Just a few of the dumb things that are said in this. But hold your pants on. That's one of his favorite things to say. Oh, because because the because um, the 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 cop they're they're doing some kind of a sting mm-hmm. and they chase the criminals into this well, toy warehouse. They botch right? the like so they they botch a a drug or a gun trade. Her boyfriend gets killed. 
they're running it through this warehouse full of uh, old toys. There's a guard that has to find her trapped. This this woman is trapped with one of the guys. And he's just uh, he likes to eat chicken and complain and drink beer. Mm-hmm. And one of his favorite quotes is hold your pants on. And Did he also say something about the world's a toilet and everyone's an asshole or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, in the background, in the office where he's sitting, they're playing Puppet Master. And it's the same scene repeating over and over again, which is really funny. It's like Blade from the movie, like also, running around. Correct me if I'm wrong, but later, like Demonic Toys is becomes a franchise that then crosses over with Puppet Master, right? Uh, yeah, I think I think at some point it does. There, It goes Demonic Toys, Demonic Toys 2, Demonic Toys versus Doll Man. And then there's like some other in there. Yeah, that's a whole thing. And then mm. demonic toys. Like years later, they made it mm-hmm. and they remade it. And it's like it's full is bad. Mm. It's really unwatchable. But I'll and, give it a go. And so then a part of the group, uh, in, in addition to the Night Watchmen, well, we got there's like the homeboy who works at the Chicken Shack. His name is Wayne. Wayne is just stupid. Uh, Wayne is getting scolded by his boss at one point, and he's smoking a cigarette and and doing an order. And his boss is like, "Is that a cigarette in your mouth?" He's like. It's your dick. Oh, that's and right. And it was just like, I don't know if that's... Mm, that's not really like an a, insult. So you're saying, that his, you're saying that his dick is tiny, but you're also saying that his tiny dick is in your mouth. So I don't know <laughs> if that's an insult. I think you just owned yourself right there, <laughs> I believe. Um, And then, let's see. And then there was this random girl. I call her Air Shaft Ann. She just, uh, she's a runaway living in the air shaft for a couple of days. <laughs> and uh, As she, one does. Yes. And she's basically like an over-the-top character from uh, Breakfast Club. Like, she's mm-hmm. like... Ali Sheedy and mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez like put together. She's like, well, I had to move here because my dad was beating on me. You know, it just ha- it's rough out here for a kid, like really over the top. Mm-hmm. And somehow she knows that the toys were are demons or whatever because she's the one who's like no you have to know it's the toys it's an ancient evil and it's no like how do you know all this how do you know all this so I mean I guess basically they might have cut out a scene that would explain why she hid up in the air shafts but they just got her looking crazy just mm-hmm. coming out of there just like she just that's where she wanted to stay yeah she looked like a deflated duffel bag and though. then the way they took her out was just so unnecessary it's so mean this little cabbage patch looking doll like stabs her in the eye first of all several I had, times I had to like there was so much suspension of disbelief I mean I know you like these movies about these toys that come to life all and kill people. All the deaths are preventable. All the deaths. Yeah, but it's like, I, they're, they're so small and it's like, you couldn't just kick that well, thing out listen, of listen, baby Oopsie Daisy <laughs> pulled that whole, dragged that whole big ass body around the corner, okay? Mm-hmm. And also baby Oopsie Daisy, uh, the lady that does that voice also did the voice of the, uh, what is it, the leech woman in Puppet Master. Okay. I mean, it's not a voice, it's just like a, Um, all in all, this movie, it just, uh, it was, used to be my favorite, like, one of my favorite hangover movies. Like, mm. I could just put it on and just, like, laugh at just whatever. I feel uh, like this would make my hangover worse. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, made, it made things, it made things, uh okay uh-huh. in the world for me. That's, that's how my head works. I'm ready for the sequel, uh, Demonic Sex Toys. Uh, I mean, you gotta write the script, baby. <laughs> Not a problem, because, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, all in all, I, I think it's... At least in the, wor- the world, in the realm of puppetry and toys and dolls and all that shit, it's one of the top-notch horror films, mm-hmm. I think. I actually like the so way that bad this it's opened. Good. Yeah, I like the way it opened because it's like you get this. I got a little bit of a Tarantino vibe where it's like these two people are in the car talking about like about having kids, and then you realize that they are strapped. Like they have guns. I was like, what is? I wasn't sure immediately. Like if they like if they were the law or if they were like criminals, and then you figure out later on that they're cops. So I thought that was a nice little twist. Yeah. 
Also, that lady, like, she has that face. And because she was in everything in the 90s. She was in, like, silk stockings. In the 80s, she was in, like, Dynasty. Mm-hmm. She, and she goes all the way back to 70s with, like, uh, Dukes of Hazard. That lady was in everything. Well, uh, if you don't, if you, uh, if you don't know by now, you got to check out Demonic Toys. Demonic Toys. All right, all right. So our Act Two main discussion. We're getting into the chilling adventures of Sabrina with our very special guest, Gigi Swift. Hello, Gigi. Hello, Tudalu. Uh, full disclosure: Gigi and I have known each other for a very long time. We went to undergrad together a million years ago. We both moved to Brooklyn apace of each other, and I would watch Mad Men at her apartment every Sunday, starring <laughs> a young Kiernan Shipka, who yes, is Sally Draper. Yeah. Now we will be talking about her as Sabrina, the half mortal, half witch who is eternally torn between her duties in hell and her duties on earth with her friends and uh this uh, as of january the third series season what is it called so we basically filmed two seasons but they were split into two parts so when they get released on netflix just to confuse the entire world (laughs) they like to say part one and part two okay yeah because i was looking things up i'm like and it had things just categorized under different parts yeah it's kind of just like a technicality where they get to not give people raises between seasons but they get to pretend that they have Mm. multiple drops it was i mean it, it does seem a little bit like network Sort of, you know, like in terms of because I mean, one of the things I've noticed about Sabrina is that, you know, as we watch it on Netflix, we kind of we like binge it. Right. Yeah. But um, typically in like a sort of week to week standard like sitcom or show, there's almost as it continues, there's like a moment of expository dialogue that sums up like maybe what just happened Mm. that happens in Sabrina, even though it's a streaming service. So it'll be like, well, you know, you know, like at the, like um, at the top of the hour, like auntie will be like, and you know, the power, our powers of the coven are are waning. And it's like, we actually know that. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I think a bunch of shows on Netflix don't, um, acknowledge the fact that b- people are probably just going from one to the next so they mm-hmm. do want to like allow people to have a more traditional viewing experience but yeah certainly uh, Prudence Tati and uh, Chance Ambrose get a lot of expository lines where they get to recap everything that's mm-hmm. been happening recently I want to have sex with everyone on this show I did until I realized that they were all born in the 90s and I was like you know what never mind <laughs> no I think that's fine I mean it's 2020 they're basically 30 uh, basically 30 basically. Um, so in in um um, part three, uh, we go to hell, which Sabrina became the queen of. We're introduced to this new heartthrob Caliban mm. uh, made out of clay. Uh, we're introduced to the old ones, the pagan gods in the guise of a carnival, uh, not to mention the carnal pleasures of certain members of this crew on the verge of or losing their virginity. So mm. hormones abound. Uh, we've got the waning power of the coven after they've rebuked the Dark Lord. Uh, is it Sabrina and Nick or is it Sabrina and Caliban or is it Sabrina and Harvey again? There's like some will they won't they is going back all the way uh, we also get a scene of Nick in his underwear and I have to say he looks to be packing I have to say he looks to be packing <laughs> that scene is ridiculous I'll show you the dailies because what you see on Netflix is not even the best shots and then he's got his little club foot going on oh, <laughs> yeah. Lord. Uh, the real Mrs. Wardwell comes back um, and initially she's talking a lot about epic poetry which I know a little bit about um, it also reminded me that I was listening to this interview with Greta Gerwig um, on the uh, Jesse Thorne's podcast where she talked about how um, we don't actually Actually, get a physical description of hell in the Bible, and that our de- our popular depiction of hell actually comes from Dante's Inferno. Wow! So, yeah, so like that's that's a little dropping that, some knowledge to that me. That you yeah. on, yes. Uh, Hilda becomes the author of Bodice Rippers. Um, I'm really interested in where the uh, 
the HP Lovecraft connection is entering into this like the, the next uh, part and like there's discussion of who's the next monster going to be that um, what it is his uh, what is his name Blood, Blackwood Blackwood yeah uh, he releases that the child egg and right. that, and so now the eldritch terrors are out there so it could be uh, Thulu Cthulhu yeah I mean we basically read a lot of Lovecraft in mm. preparation for both parts and um, not to give anything away, but I do think it's pretty much demonstrated at the end of part three. The part four will be all about these uh, entities that are so out of our dimension and understanding that maybe they can't be quite depicted as like our typical traditional monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a little bit more existential. So I think... Um, Maybe get a little Cthulhu in there. Yeah, I mean, in <laughs> *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*, the comic books, she's fully they get uh, married sacrificed. Or something? Yeah, and as his bride. Yeah. Mm. So um, we don't take that exact route, but um, you know, to be continued. Well, the first episode of our season this uh, this year, we talked about *Underwater* and *A Color Out of Space*, which were both kind of based on Lovecraftian ideas. So it's a continuing thing on this show. Um, we also get Roz getting a little bit more popular and having a little bit of independence from Harvey. Um, we get. Nick's manic bisexual sex demon torture energy in there. Um, Do you love those Hellraiser type outfits of those sex demons? Absolutely. Yes. Was it Solo and Desaad, I believe? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yes. Real good. Um, uh, we get uh, Theo's boyfriend, Robin the Hobgoblin. Um, the undoing of the Weird Sisters. Uh, the introduction of Mambo Marie and Voodoo. Um, when Sabrina finally tells off Nick and she calls him a narcissist and all that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah. I know that scene is wrenching. I was I was finally like I was very frustrated with you know she goes to hell and does all this this shit to you know to bring him back and then he doesn't appreciate it and but then you know the way I was, I heard it broke down was because he could see Lucifer in her he could and he was just too traumatized from it he could never see past that mm-hmm. and I get it and the fact of the matter is she keeps going to him like we can just go back to how things were and I'm like no you kind of can't yeah I mean Sabrina is like the eternal optimist and sometimes that just comes across as like um, annoying obviously <laughs> because she's just like I'm gonna fix everything it'll be fine um, episode to episode and I'm not gonna tell the aunties and yet we all know that's um that's not going to play out the way she thinks it will. But, um, yeah, I think I saw both sides. We have, like, a lot of people um, in the room, you know, advocating for Nick as, like, uh, with his addict personality. And that whole ritual um, was definitely, like, based around Dark Song. And mm-hmm. I think uh, at the end of the day, like, he was being way more realistic than Sabrina. Although, yeah. to be clear, like, um, you know, we all ship Nabrina and we want them to be together forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I kind of want Sabrina and Nick and Ambrose and uh, Prudence to sure. be in like a foursome. A foursome. <laughs> that would be fucking amazing. Um, we get the redheaded. I don't know what children. the hashtag is for that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll work figure on it out. It. We'll figure yeah, out. Yeah. You know, we're all writers. Uh, we get the you know we get we see the um, redheaded stepchildren of the witch world, the hedge witches once again. Um, the return of the dark lord, Satan's magnanimous ass. I've got to say, Satan's got a great ass. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lilith, Lilith carries the seed of Satan. Um, the death of Literally everyone happens this season except for Ambrose. Um, Ambrose makes it through. Yeah. So we got Sabrina in the time loop. And then finally, uh, Auntie goes gay. Yes. yes. And we can't wait for that. We just I, want more of that. Yeah, I'm so curious. So, and, why and, didn't, yeah, why so wasn't like, that in happening? In the witching world, um, it, we basically said that everybody's pretty fluid and there's not a lot of sentiment, uh, sentimentality attached to it. So people are like flexible. Um 
But I think it was born a little bit out of the fans shipping Madame Satan and Auntie Zelda. Mm, mm-hmm. And um, although we didn't, you know, honor their desires that way, I think um, everybody was like really intrigued about playing like a lesbian relationship on the show. And um, well, Miranda, it was a pleasant and, surprise. Yeah. It was so good. I was like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. I was like, wait, what's happening right Tuning now? Tuning into this part is four. Mood lighting yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we get like. Um, when when we first see the two of them together, there's a moment where um, Mambo Marie kind of puts her hands on mm-hmm. um, Auntie Z, and and I, I didn't know in that moment if it was like, oh, is she doing like a spell, like what's happening? I was right here? sensing something. Yeah, immediately. But then it was like, oh, it's just like a, a a gesture of affection, and then later on, Auntie Z goes to say something about that comely like voodoo priestess yes, or something exactly. like that. Yeah. So like it was seated in there that something was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I definitely yeah, yeah. think we knew from the beginning, and it's great because those two characters like have that free zone because um, Mambo Marie is so like um, of the earth and of the people and Miranda um, Auntie Zelda is so rigid and completely um, rule abiding so mm-hmm. it just seemed natural actually that opposites would attract in Absolutely. this way. Yeah. Mm. yeah we like that a lot. I'm curious in general because um, in this world in addition to having uh, fluid sexualities there's there it's way more diverse than um than the first Sabrina show, uh, you know, I mean, leaps and bounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> how much? Yeah. How much of that was like written into the script, like into the description of the character? I mean, was it like you know, Prudence, you know, uh, uh, Creole Lady Marmalade, Color of Cafe Ole? Usually, or... <laughs> write the parts with a certain race or identity per se in mind. Although obviously, uh, Mamba Marie was going to be black as she's like living in New Orleans and mm-hmm. practicing Haitian voodoo, and um. But often it just like comes up in casting and Vancouver is pretty limited actually in the type of people that they have up there. There's like a huge Asian community, but actually not a lot of Asian actors or at least Mm. maybe they're spread too thin between all the shows shooting up there. So um, I think my boss is Nicaraguan and he just wants to make sure that like everybody is feeling represented. And um, I think it's tricky because we get in trouble sometimes for having a person of color play a bad guy. But then it's like... um, on certain shows, if you only have one person of color and they play a bad guy, that's a problem. But yeah. on our show, I think we succeed um, for the most part in having uh, people of all different uh, ethnicities playing both sides of the court. So, and also, p- people change. Yeah. Often their motivations and their mode changes, and they might have been a villain, but now they're a friend. Yeah, there's a lot of maturity happening in yeah. a short span of time, but um, it, it all makes sense. Okay, I want to. Can we talk about Prudence for a second? Because yeah, Prudence course. is my favorite character. Me too. Prudence is amazing, and I love the poise. I love the grace. I love and, the 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 wit, and also like the cunning. And the thing that you don't know about Prudence is like. Is she going to rip you apart right. or is she going to have sex with you? She's that prime example. <laughs> <laughs> she's the prime example of what you're you're saying. Yeah, yeah. She's she's shown us the the full spectrum. Just the thought of Prudence leaving the show was just like, Ooh. I don't know, this is gonna work. Once for me. everybody started dying, yeah, I was, was like, uh This can't be real. No. Because yeah. like, you know, you get you get Dorcas. Like, like, and a few of Elspeth, a few of those other people start to go and you're like, okay, but then it's like one after the other in that penultimate show. Mm. Uh, and then Mambo Marie and then like Auntie Z and I was like, okay, so something's going to happen. Where's the time egg? Like, I, <laughs> that's what he, she tells Ambrose about the time, the time egg. egg. Yeah, that's what happens in that scene. And yeah, then, Prudence kind of saves the world and I don't even know if we give her enough props for that. I yeah. don't think we do. And yeah. this is Screen Queen approved. Prudence, you're getting your props from us. Yes, Absolutely. So at what point did you come into the show? Um, I came in at the beginning of. I'm the script coordinator. Um, 
And I just came in and basically season one, um, the room had been meeting for a few weeks. And uh, originally the show was actually going to be set in the 50s, 60s, like the comic book is. Um, but obviously we're set now, but we're still timeless, like most of the shows that um, Especially my boss. with all the time travel. And- yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I came in around then and haven't left my CNN office building for two years, it feels like. <laughs> NBD. Um, so were you there as they were casting? I was there as they were casting. Actually, yeah, they cast Harvey right when I got there. So um, it felt like late in the game, but I guess that's the way casting works. Uh, and I think they had gotten Kiernan after like a very epic uh showdown between multiple different people ah yeah i'm curious too because um unlike riverdale i think for the most part um the actors in sabrina actually do look like they have comic book faces oh interesting a lot of them do like kieran has there's the big eye they they look like archie comics in my mind yeah, I guess I think that the Riverdale people are also like dressed and makeup in a way that looks pretty comic booky. I mean, Betty obviously has her iconic ponytail mm-hmm. at all times, um, but maybe we do play with that more. I mean, now that I think about it, they all just have those big eyes and are like so perfectly cast in those roles. Because um, like Harvey also looks like a, like a like a comic book character. Like... I know they all look like they have actually like just like a bob of hair that's like not made yeah. of strands <laughs> and they're like little Lego toys, but they're so cute and precious. Um, and this season we actually do go to Riverdale, the murder that's capital correct. of the world, yes. apparently. I love which that. I Shout LOL'd out. about. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to see the these two worlds collide? You know, um, I never see this in articles, but I think it's pretty obvious to at least the Hollywood community. So I'm not going to feel afraid to say this, but because one show is produced by um, I mean, they're all made by Warner Brothers. But because one is aired by Netflix and one is aired by the CW, there's like a two different networks that we would have to contend with. So mm. if we were airing on the CW, I think that would have been happening a long time ago. But because we're basically different entities, um, I'm not sure those two powerhouse corporations are going to see eye to eye on exactly gotcha. how to mm. let those worlds cross over. Well, that sucks. Yeah. He's putting some good energy in the world and hoping yeah, that could come I together. Yeah, I think we just like need to pray to like Mark Pedowitz and whoever you <laughs> know the algorithm the and, mm-hmm. of Netflix to like uh, let let this uh, universe collide. Um, can we talk a little bit about the old gods, yes. the old ones, the pagans? So how did that, when did that come into play? Because I was thinking about how huh, if if we had had like this fully powered coven, it wouldn't, the, the showdown wouldn't have been so dramatic. Right. You know, and I was thinking too, like in the last season or the last uh, uh, episode, uh, we get an almost all powerful Sabrina. We get the, the, the coven at the height of their powers. Yeah, and 117. So it's like, and in order to in, um, imbue some dramatic tension into this, of course they have to get depowered, right? Right. Um, and so when did the, when did the, um, when did the discussion of the old ones come in? And how did you decide to, who to cast? Because there's like, we've got, we've got a Medusa, we've got a Gorgon, we've got Cersei, we've got the great god pan well i think that we had read a lot of like arthur macon and lovecraft and mr james um short stories and we were madeline miller no i would love to be reading some women um but uh we basically had a summer reading list for our one month of hiatus last uh winter Mm -hmm. and um and we like went deep on that and then after realizing that lucifer trapped wasn't going to be sharing his powers um we knew we wanted to do something in the folk horror world where 
we got to explore a carnival much like uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like we were going to just kind of like go through character by character and see what old gods that we all just were fans of um, could be the Carnival Barker and um, his minions. So Mm. I think we started with the Carnival Barker um, as like our Mr. Jark and settling on the great god Pan was mostly out of the fact that that is one of the oldest and most intangible and not totally traditional people haven't heard of him Mm -hmm. uh, characters. So I think that's why we went with him. And then the Medusa of it all, it's like I can't turn on the television without having a Medusa character popping up on every fantasy show. But in a way, it's just because we're also like enthralled with her. That was our Greek myth hero uh, villain, rather, and um, well, depending on what side you come down on it. You yeah, know I mean? that's very fair. <laughs> um, but we always want to do like our own angle on it. Um, so I think that the, like the makeup that she has in episode seven when they're in the library is like so incredible. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of her character was actually inspired by the Snake Woman in the Lair of the White Worm, which. Um, that is a high recommend on my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cersei too. Like, uh, she's a character who you know um, from the uh, Odyssey, and she famously turns uh, po- uh, like sailors into pigs. Yeah. And so we get a little bit of that when she turns the football players into pigs. I thought that was cool. <laughs> and maybe that is why like we're so drawn to that story because it is like everybody has to read the Odyssey at some point in high yeah. school or whatever, and mm-hmm. those are the ones that stick out to us. Yeah. So I would just say like if we're going to continue this reading list, um, Cersei by Madeline. Miller is so good. Oh, so good. Absolutely. I did read that and I love it. Yeah. And I'm jealous like somebody's making that in Hollywood and I need to get on board. They are, aren't they? Yeah. Ooh, because the thing I loved about Cersei's character in, 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 in Madeline Miller's imagination was that she talks about how like she was a lesser god, but a better witch. Mm. And so she was a harder worker and her siblings who were better gods were lazy. Right. And that she could actually make things happen and that witchcraft was different than godliness because godliness doesn't you don't you can depend on it you don't have to prepare it right yeah, witchcraft, it's just given to you yeah and so witchcraft you actually have and th- there's failure in you it have to, so you, yeah it's you a craft to cultivate it, that, yeah. yeah you have to cultivate it exactly and so i loved her introduction can we talk about how she turned uh anti-h into a fucking spider i know i mean that's that basically the... my favorite episode <laughs> <laughs> her descent into that that was very that was great i really get, enjoyed that you get the moment of her in the mirror where she's like kind of picking at the pimple sort of like sc- scary stories yeah, to tell she sees her. it nobody else can see it and then you know that moment when f- finally people can see what she's turning into it is disgusting it's i mean up. i love the fact that like um my boss leans into the idea of using like practical effects, uh, which is something that I think uh, a lot of people don't these days because they're like, oh, we have all these special effects. Like, let's go ahead and have yeah. things be. And me and Dre talk about how much we love practical effects on me this too. show yes. over everything. Because like somebody has to make that. Imagine if that was your job. Oh, I mean, you had like, to make our that happen. Art people are incredible. Yeah. But, like Lisa Soper does like the sets and all of this design and the monster design. And she is like, I hail her. I don't know why they're not giving her all the awards, but um yeah, I mean, I love that story. I feel like it's partially inspired by the creepypasta of, like, the girl who eats the taco and then gets the cockroach pimple. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought, okay, initially, like, we think that um, Hilda has potentially eaten Dr. C. C. Yeah. And so at the end, when she confronts Cersei at the carnival with, like, the voodoo doll and she's, like, breaking her arm, she's like, what was that you called me, a weaver? Let me show you some of my other talents. <laughs> and the thing, I was so mad because... 
Cersei dies in like 20 seconds. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, I want you to torture her for years. Yeah. But then Dr. C isn't dead. So we, you know. Th- I guess that the score is even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we hired an actual contortionist to be the broken Cersei. So that's like another practical effect in a oh, different way. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank God Dr. C is alive because I live for those two also. I know. Yeah, I was like, they can't, they can't do that. Like, it was, it was already so much. It was very, uh, once again, traumatizing for her to go through that. Oh, that I mean, was so sad. Sometimes as writers, though, like we actually go there. And yeah. I think Dr. C was dead for quite a few days mm. uh, in the room. Mm. And then we all just, in our gut, we're like, but we love Alessandro and we can never do that to Hilda. And she gets engaged. They get engaged this, this season. Um, I was wondering t- as, you know, because like, you know, Sabrina's having these secrets and is like kind of pulling away. And like, you know, Auntie Z and Hilda are kind of codependent, you know, and yeah. when Hilda starts to assert some of her independence and is like, actually, I don't maybe my fealty isn't to the coven, but it's to myself and mm-hmm. my relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, I really felt that as oh, just time. as a person from an Indian reservation. Like I grew up in a tribal society that was somewhat codependent, I would say, but interdependent maybe. And that to leave and to pursue my own passion. When was that's a, all you know. Yeah. It was really, it was really hard to do. And it was a really big, um, it was really contentious for a while mm-hmm. with me and my family because I'd chosen something different. But then ultimately they realize that if you're doing what it is that you love. Right. You can still be part of the group yeah yeah it just doesn't and come back with even more knowledge exactly yes um i i had an idea and i'm not saying like you necessarily have to take the suggestion <laughs> pitch but away what we talk about we hear a lot about greendale 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 we hear a lot about greendale and ancestry Right. And the Putnam family being there for generations. And then there is the introduction of other different types of magics. And I'm just wondering what the citizens, the, what the relationship the citizens have to the indigenous inhabitants of Greendale. So, right. I would love to go down there um, and explore the indigenous community of, you know, the New England Greendale Um uh, we haven't really talked about it that much because we've only really discussed like the settlers of the early witches. But mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, when we get picked up for season three, parts five and six, um, <laughs> I will bring your pitch to the table, Tommy, and I will advocate for it because I think that would be great. Yes. I mean, I that was that. just that was the only suggestion that I had, really, because I love this show so much that it actually made me want to watch Riverdale. Like I hadn't oh, even Riverdale is great. I think that like some people have this idea that it's just um too silly and it's like Sabrina and a lot of like um horror where like uh people are like, Oh, it's so uh ridiculous. But it's like, yeah, we lean into the ridiculousness. It's self aware and it um, is very a lot of it mm-hmm. is like winking at the audience about these tropes, which I love in horror and I think that's why I was always attracted to it. Um and Riverdale is certainly um it leans into it even more than Sabrina. So if you don't mind it on Sabrina, I think you'll appreciate it on Riverdale. There's like an actor. I don't know which one it is, but uh, he's like maybe one of the snakes and he's part native. Serpents. Exactly. So, yeah, that was something that was on Riverdale that um, they explored a little bit. But I would love for them to do more about it. Because his agent kind of got in touch because I'm writing this feature and he was like, why don't you consider this person for that role? And it's like, this is, this is far too early for this casting suggestion. But he's very nice to look at. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I keep imagining him playing the titular role of Tommy in my screenplay. Titular. And I'm like, <laughs> 
Right. So, yes, exactly. So the serpents on on Riverdale are um, descendants of the indigenous people um, oh, in Riverdale. But okay. you're talking about him actually being the actor in real life. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, I, I kind of looked him up and it didn't really say too much, but his, his agent assured me that he's part Native. So we'll <laughs> see about that. <laughs> um, uh, also, one of my favorite parts of the season were the hedge witches. Who kind of come up and there's like um, Grelda, Gryla, 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 the gin drinker, which I identified with because she's all like big and unwieldy and like loves gin. So (laughs) no, they're pretty badass. I like that whole crew. Um, Pesta and one of them, I guess, what I was kind of reading into is going to she's going to maybe be able to wrangle in the twins now that there's two uh, Sabrinas running around. She might be powerful enough to. To kind of whatever kind of uh, havoc wreaks from that or comes of that, she's going to be able to get in there and stop that nonsense. I love the hedge witches. I love that we like acknowledge that um, so many women that were just like solo in ancient cultures were called witches just because uh, they weren't conforming. Mm-hmm. And um, one of those witches is actually like Mother Hubbard, and we haven't discussed what her powers are, but <laughs> <laughs> it came out of like another identity not quite working out with the costuming. But um, yeah, they're they're a ton of fun. Well, we talked about, Dre and I talked about that last episode with uh, Gretel and Hansel. And the witch, and, like in the tra- the traditional witch in like these fairy tales, is being like the villain because she's an independent, lives by herself, and doesn't depend on a man. You know, exactly. And so, like, there's so much sexism sewn into and those stories, from the ju- and eats kids, just NBD, because like her only power is to ha- have children. So then she has to eat them to replenish her power, whatever. However, you know, that NBD. You know, goes. It's interesting because like I, I'm really grateful that we actually like explored that um, same idea like with the witches, even though there are men in our. Um, world that like the patriarchy still exists there and um um we still have like in moon valley there's like the witch that we give um baby judith to in one of the episodes so i like that we're still like referencing those characters which are so iconic but um and we can still discuss those themes in a modern way um, can we talk a little bit about Caliban? Of course. The new surfer. The sandcastle builder. Yeah. So how did he, where did he come from in, in the in the room? You know, I'd love to say it's because I pitched uh, Sabrina having a um, husband already assigned to her but at birth by Lucifer. Mm. But uh, we'd been discussing having um, another character come up and be a potential love interest. Um, at one point, it was maybe going to be Sabrina's brother or uh. not for love interest, but, but like a confusing moment where she finds this hot guy and then in like maybe he's her brother. But because um, when he first showed up as they go to hell, I was like, they're 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 not just putting this shirtless man out here for us to not see him again. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and so then we just realized like it would be fun to have another antagonist in hell since Lucifer was trapped in various bodies and boxes so um and madam satan we know and love um Mm -hmm. so here's just another opportunity to have her play against um you know a clay figurine that's actually quite handsome who did the costumes because madam satan's hell outfit they're incredible angus strathy does the costumes and he's done like baz lerman movies and um if you look him up, he's also done iconic horror movies. Yeah, it was full drama. That, like, um, that whole Queen of the Damned, I think. Um, oh, oh, we yeah. have to talk about that sometime. We have oh, to. And Baby girl. Yeah, so every time I get an email with approved costumes, I'm just tuning in that wig. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> trust me, trust me. Everybody, like the highest people that work up at Warner Brothers have opinions on that wig. Um, we have... 
uh, gotten better ones and better ones. And yet even now I'm like, what is going on with this? Um, but she's adorable she's, and she's actually yeah, she's like great. the nicest human being on earth. And compared, you know, she's like constantly sending everybody presents and little gifts and she's a trooper. That's nice to know. I mean, it's it's it becomes more apparent because like there's a lot that happens at night. And so I think with makeup and with costumes and stuff, a lot of that can be forgiven when the light is low. But when they do a daytime scene and you're like, these hedge witches are. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. A little what bit is this busted sometimes. What's going on? Yeah, it's like yeah. you can see like the gradient of makeup on them and you're like, oh, or like the neck does not match I the know. face. I <laughs> know. It's troublesome. Like sometimes Hilda looks truly orange. Um, oh, God, she does. But, uh, I think part of the problem is just like a differential from makeup to post yeah. and the different, you know, filters they're putting on everything. Like everybody had an uproar about that with them. Um, when they do color correction and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. With... Um, What's the series that has Jonathan Groff in it? Um, Game of Thrones? No, 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 no. <laughs> On Netflix, uh, it's like oh, um, the the one Mind about Hunter. Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. was complaining this year um, because everybody was truly orange. Uh, but I'm sure they didn't look orange on set, or they were doing the same thing they usually did, but then had a different color correction. Right. I didn't know. I mean, I need to watch that season over again. I just noticed it's such a slow paced show that I, it just very gray to me. I like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I, I really didn't like it. I love um, that show. I do too. I'm confused yeah. why but they're it's not like canceled. Quote right, unquote, they're not. It's but not coming I have a back. feeling it's just like. Cast. Well, they're saying it's they don't, probably probably won't come back. Well, I mean, the Zodiac about, I think is perfect. So yeah. I, I love love Zodiac. Zodiac. I actually, have a neighbor whose license plate is Zodiac. If you're looking for the killers. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I mean, what I've heard though about like these Netflix shows is that. Huh. Um, unfortunately, I mean, they're, they're not really in it for the ratings. They're in it for new subscribers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they continually let shows go after like the second or third season. It's bonkers to me that Netflix even acknowledges that because it's like as a creator, I'm not going there to just have this one off to give you five million new subscribers that then like you can just throw away and go on to the next one that's going to bring in a different audience. And mm. I don't think audiences appreciate that. Well, either. I guess that's why they say like, the one upside of that is like that's why shows can't true like they ne- they're never truly canceled. They can all there is the potential for a canceled show to, to end up somewhere else. Well, certainly I with wish... all the different streaming platforms right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also I, I think but like one day at a time was able to leave. But I think at a, you know at a moment in time Netflix mm-hmm. was like no, well you live here and you we have your rights for the next five years. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think like Chambers can come back. Yeah, I don't know about Netflix specifically. I just know there are certain shows that I've seen or movies pop up in one area and then they're, they're, you know, they get a new life on another network. Mm -hmm. I know that can happen. There's more potential for that. It would be nice if people could just commit to a show, though. Yeah. And just stand behind it. It isn't it isn't fair to the viewer to have something that you love. And that, like, other people, like, it's not like being canceled for want of an audience. You right. know what I mean? Save the OA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Save the OA. Um, I guess, like, the final thing that I want to talk about is the two Sabrinas. Mm. And now we've got one on Earth and one in Hell, thanks to a time loop that, you know, is... Listen, it's magic, so <laughs> yeah. don't think about it too hard. Um, I know you can't necessarily spoil anything for us, but... Well... You know, um, hot tip, the next episode up is um, my episode that I wrote with Roberto. Ooh. So, okay, so um, tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to have me back when it actually airs. Yes. But, um, obviously, you know, we are going to see what happens with these two Sabrinas. And the entire Sabrina universe has like a history of... Um, evil twins and twins um, you know our show is based off of the actual character from the Archie comics mm-hmm. and we're not um, 
able to borrow anything from the 90s comics. I mean, the 90s TV show, rather. But both have explored this, like, duality and, um, you know, our show will be no different. Uh, And I wish I could tell you more, but um, until then. Can I just have one final question before we end the segment? Is Dorcas really gone? Dorcas booked another TV show, and um, we love Dorcas. Uh, We'll see her again. And... um, I think just like Drea was saying earlier, like nothing's ever over. No one's really dead. Mm-hmm. Shows live on. And um, we'll say a prayer for Dorcas. And magic. And magic. And magic. To bring her back. Yeah. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We've reached act three of our show, survived all the way to the end, and we're going to end the way we always do with our Scream Queen of the Week. This week, it is Sasha Lane in Daniel Isn't Real by Adam Egypt Mortimer, based on Brian DeLillo's novel, uh, This Way I Was Saved, and working from a script that uh, Mortimer wrote with him, um, starring Miles Robbins, son of Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins, fun fact, uh, who plays Luke. Uh, he was also in the new Halloween series and also stars Patrick Schwarzenegger uh, of the Arnold and Maria Variety. Uh, he plays the his arch nemesis, Daniel. So um, basically this movie, uh, a troubled Luke suffers a violent family trauma and resurrects his childhood imaginary friend to help him cope. Charismatic and full of energy, Daniel helps Luke to achieve his dreams before pushing him into a desperate fight for his soul. Now, this movie literally started off with a bang. I remember thinking, like, I was totally off guard. Uh, Much like Vox Lux, I didn't know that the movie was going to take a turn like that. There's, like, a mass shooting. Um, And through this tragedy, or through this trauma, rather, Luke manifests Daniel. Uh, And like I said at the top of the show, me and Dre saw it together. We didn't think it was, like, that, like, an amazing movie. But Sasha Lane's character was so badass. She's worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, First of all, like, we're, like, introduced to her as, like, um... I don't remember when we're outside of the the art show and she's like smashing Corona bottles on the ground and shit and she's like yelling at somebody. I'm really glad that like they didn't then veer away from that energy as she's being confronted by Daniel Luke in the end. Because like she doesn't like she doesn't cower. She's not meek. She doesn't try to hide in a closet. She's like immediately throwing hands. You know what I mean? She's like immediately trying to push him, trying to get the fuck out of there. And I thought like that kind of spirit deserved a scream queen status. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's. That is what uh, left a mark in, throughout the movie. That that's the one significant thing, and the the one true thing that I think resonated was her character, and it almost didn't match up some of that. You know, the final fight sequence. Like, how is she in this predicament? Like, you know, she lets him in her apartment. Like, that doesn't seem like a thing this this on her shit chick would do. Like, she yeah. wouldn't let some random dude up in her place. I mean, that's the thing. Like, they had to, I feel like the writer was like, we have to get her, we have to get him back in the apartment. But it's like, she already kicked him out. She already yeah. told him no. And she doesn't seem like the kind of person to go back on her word He's like that. He's clearly not stable. And she's not soft. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? I don't think she had the capacity. But I mean, I get she had to, they had to get it in there somehow for the dramatic tension or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, but I really appreciated her. I mean, I do. I like Sasha Lane as an actress in general. I liked her in American Honey. That was, you know, for most people, that was our introduction. And then she was in Hearts Beat Loud with Kiersey Clemens, mm-hmm. who was also a Scream Queen of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll and be talking she, about her later on. And she was in um, The uh, Miseducation of Cameron Post about like a gay conversion camp or whatever. Sasha's dad is black and her mom is Maori. Mm. Yeah. So... Um, I liked, so were you like a, what things did you like about this movie? Because I Just liked, her. I liked, okay, like Sasha <laughs> Lane and I liked her uh, uh, beating shit up, but I kind of liked some of the special effects. So I liked when like Luke sort of slimes into Daniel and takes him over. Yeah, all that stuff's cool. It just, once he was in there, it didn't do anything for me. It wasn't effective. Um, mm. um, I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. We wouldn't be doing our due diligence as Scream Queen of Podcasts um, for scary, about scary movies from people not typically depicted in scary movies if we didn't also warn you that there is a sacrificial negro in this movie. Yes, the, there is. The therapist. The ther- and it's ridiculous. It, it goes right back to like child's play when, when he goes and he kills the voodoo, the man that taught him voodoo goes oh, and right. kills the voodoo uh, doctor. It's just like, yeah, homeboy. And, and then this and another setup like this guy knows what he's dealing with, but he goes into this place by himself, mm-hmm. thinks he can practice. But he, he instantly senses something's off. But yeah, he's just going to still mess around with this shit. No, 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 no. But that scene did give rise, I think, to my favorite special effect moment in the movie. I mean, it wasn't practical, I don't think, but it was definitely. OK, but, yeah. but when, when um, Daniel opens Luke's mouth, Very, that kind uh, of reminded me of Beetlejuice a little bit. And color out of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then freaking Daniel doing his goddamn Joker dance. Do you remember that part? Yeah. I, I, it. The movies came out so close together. So how did they let that happen? <laughs> yeah, he has hair slicked he had, back. They had the, the same suit, suit on. The same suit on, and he does the dance. And it's like you had to have known. Yeah, somebody they had knew. to have told you. They knew. Um, but yeah, anything else about Sasha? Anything else about this performance? Anything? She's else about fierce. We appreciate you. You are a scream queen. Hello. Scream Queen is produced by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound. With theme music by Doc Allison. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S, on all relevant social media. I'm Drea the Doll. Uh, <laughs> Tommy added that. <laughs> Washington. And you can find me at Hey Girl Hey. That's H E Y G R L H E Y. You can find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast. And online at ScreamQueenPodcast.com. Send us some love notes at ScreamQueen at gmail.com. That's S C R E E E. Queen at gmail.com and we may just answer these questions on a future segment and in the scary movie of your lives you better scream queen Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.